A quick note about this podcast. Information is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to include or constitute financial product advice. You should obtain independent advice from an Australian Financial Services licensee before making any investment decisions. Please refer to ASX's full disclaimer with respect to this podcast on the section of the ASX website titled The Ideas Exchange by ASX. Welcome to the November edition of ASX's Market Activity Podcast. My name is Graham O'Brien. Joining me today is a special guest, Rob Nash, the ASX's Oracle of Equities. Welcome, Rob. Thanks, Graham. It's great to be here with you. Unfortunately, Jacinta couldn't join us today, but has assured us that she'll be back stronger than ever next month. Apparently, she couldn't bear joining us to talk about the month that was due to the poor performance of the market. Our market couldn't take a break in October and performed almost as badly as the Wallabies did at the Rugby World Cup. Lucky I have Rob joining me today. He is often referred to as Australia's version of Warren Buffett. Let's hope your good luck rubs off on us and the market during November. Thanks, Graham. It's probably one of the nicest things I've ever had said of me from someone in the market. Uh, regrettably, there's, a f- there's quite a few zeros difference between Mr. Buffett and my financial wealth, but it's great to be here nonetheless. <laughs> How about you take us through some of those main drivers that uh, led markets in that underperformance during October? Sure, Graham. The uh, unfortunately, it was the same themes that we've been dealing with over recent months, and they were predominantly inflation, interest rates, and regrettably a new breakout of uh, tensions out of the Middle East. Central banks' ever watchful eye on inflation was one of the major drivers for last month, and that's led to people to look at the first Tuesday of November. Not for the Melbourne Cup, but for the Reserve Bank's rates announcement. The CPI inflation number that we came out was at the upper end of expectations, and that's led to Reserve Bank Governor's comments, who has a low tolerance for inflation, has left the door open for the new Governor Bullock and the board to raise rates next week. The futures market is pointing towards a 50-50 chance of a rate rise, basically a flip of a coin if rates will go up or down. Elsewhere, those tensions that we referred to uh, coming out of the Middle East has, has led to some big moves in gold and oil prices for the month. Gold rallied from about $1,800 an ounce to about $2,000 an ounce, while oil rallied from $86 to $92 a barrel. So after all that, Graham, what were the final numbers for the month? Well, the market opened the month at 7,049 points and closed down 268 points for the month, or 3.8%. Now down under that 7,000-point mark, closing the month at 6,781 points. Rob, what about those sectors in October? Yeah, unfortunately, it was uh, 11 out of 11 sectors that were down for the month. Just some of the bigger ones, the REITs, the Australian real estate sector, down nearly 6% for the month. Healthcare sector down just over 7%, as does technology sector. The small caps saw a decline of around 5.5%. The resources sector probably did one of the better performance for the month, albeit still slightly lower, down about 1.3%. And lastly, financials down about 4% for the month. What about the individual stocks, Graham? In stock news, Newcrest left the market in October. It was actually taken over by Newmont, uh, which actually joined our market. So we lost one and gained one in the Australian market. But uh, generally, we go through those winners for the month out of our top 300 companies. Gold Road Resources was up 17%. Capricorn Metals up 15%. 
APM Human Resources up 13%, Champion Iron up 13%, and Bega Cheese was up 10%. But as you would expect, there were some losers to the month as the market performed down. Liontown Resources down 45%, Neo Metals down 42%, Iron Ear down 38%, Credit Corp down 38%, and Tyro Payments down 37%. Now let's have a look at investment products. I'll provide a rundown of the September that was for investment products. In September, total assets under management of all ASX investment products decreased from $408.87 billion to $401.66 billion. Exchange traded products were down 2.5% from $151.84 billion to $148.08 billion. It actually bucked the upward trend we've been experiencing year-to-date in exchange-traded products. But remember, it was also a negative month for the market in September as well. M funds were down 3.6%, down from $1.44 billion to $1.39 billion. Licks and Lits, so those listed investment companies and trusts, were down 0.07% of a percent. A-REITs were down 8.5%, and infrastructure funds were down 5.3%. Looking at exchange-traded product flows and asset class breakdowns, for the month of September, we saw a dip in exchange-traded product flows, as we spoke about, down $3.76 billion. Looking at the ETP, or exchange-traded product, asset class breakdown by percentage, we saw a slight tilt from global equities back towards Aussie equities and other asset classes such as cash and currency, with Australian equities now holding a share of about 28% of the exchange-traded product asset flows, global equities at 47%, fixed income at 11%, and everything else at 14%. Despite total assets under management decreasing through September, there's no slowdown to investment products coming to market. We had a standout month welcoming seven ASX investment products during the month of September. GlobalX brought on one product, Venec three products, BetaShares two products, and iShares bringing on one product. Just to go through some of those tickers that we saw. So GlobalX bought on a cybersecurity ETF, aptly named in the code BUGG, bug. Vanek, they actually brought on some bond ETFs. So the one to five year Australian government bond ETF, one gov, uh, the five to 10 year Australian government bond ETF, five gov, and the 10 plus year Australian government bond ETF, X gov. BetaShares brought on an inflation protected US Treasury bond that was currency hedged, UTIP, also a US Treasury bond seven to 10 year currency hedged ETF, US 10. And finally, iShares, they also bought on a US Treasury bond, Australian dollar hedged ETF, IUSG. So Rob, do we have any events coming up in November? Always a busy end of the year, Graeme. Uh, coming up, the ASX Investor Day kicks off next Saturday up in Brisbane. On the 11th of November, we head down to Melbourne on the 18th. And we wrap things up in Sydney on the 25th of November. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to some of those sessions, but I do enjoy most of all of uh, chatting with clients across the market and uh, getting some of their opinions on what's going to be happening for the remainder of the year and probably 
early into next year as well, but it really is a great opportunity for people to talk with like-minded investors during those investor days while us getting a nice feed on ASX. Yeah, it certainly is great to see so many people uh, take a, a, an active role in learning more about investing and understanding how they can better diversify their portfolio. It's really encouraging to see such a great turnout to these events. Also, in November, we've got a couple of games wrapping up. So uh, both of our trading games at ASX, the share market and options game, wrap up at the back end of November. Good luck to everyone in the final weeks of those games. Rob, it was a pleasure having you uh, as part of our podcast this month. That's a wrap for October. On behalf of Rob and myself, we wish you all the best with your investments through November. Visit the ASX website, asx.com.au, and register for the next Investor Day, our premier education event, providing timely market insights and ideas from a range of industry experts. 